This is Rock and Roll English. Real people, real English. Here's your host, Martin Johnson. Hello everyone and welcome to a bonus episode of Rock and Roll English. In today's show, um, I don't speak to Dan the Man, thank God. Um, I speak to an IELTS expert called Chris Pell from IELTSadvantage.com to get some tips about how to pass the IELTS exam. If you don't know what the IELTS exam is, probably don't listen to this podcast. Um, But if you don't know and you're interested, listen to this podcast. Um, Or if you're doing the exam, definitely listen to this podcast. So the IELTS exam is probably the most famous and most recognised exam you can do in English Um, Generally, you need it if you want to go to university in an English-speaking country or if you would like to go and live there. So it's very useful, but it's very difficult. So that's why Chris is here to help us. Um, It was also very useful for me because I teach um, IELTS and there's a lot to know. And Chris knows much more than me about the exam. So it was good for me too. Um, It's a bit longer than usual, this episode. There's no sort of explanation of rock and roll grammar or vocabulary. Um, Basically, I did this for myself. I just recorded a conversation with an IELTS expert for me, and it's also useful for you. So that's why I'm publishing it. Um, But on the website, rockandrollenglish.com, you will find a summary of all the points we spoke about and links to Chris's website which is very useful because there is a lot of detail there. Um, Anyway, Chris is from Northern Ireland, so see if you can understand the difference in our accents. Um, Enjoy the show, and I will speak to you again at the end. Uh, Hello, Chris. How's it going, man? You all right? Very good, thanks. Very good to have you on the show. Thanks for accepting the invitation. You're welcome. Anytime. Okay, so... We're going to get straight down to business, which is a nice rock and roll piece of vocabulary there, to get straight to the point. Um, Because obviously you're an IELTS expert, so we thought we could take advantage of this and you could give us some advice about how to hopefully pass this exam. Is that okay? Yeah, no problem. Happy to help. Very good. So we're going to look at, well, a part of, or each part of the exam. So we're going to start with the speaking and, well, especially the part two. Um, because, well, maybe just quickly explain how that works for people that don't know. Yeah, so the speaking test is divided into three parts, um, Mm -hmm. and it's important that you're aware of what those parts are because it requires a different type of answer and there are different types of questions. So Mm -hmm. part one is just normal, everyday, small talk type questions about you, like your hometown, where you're from, your job, your studies, Things like what you do at the weekend, stuff like that. So pretty mm-hmm. easy to start off with. Part three is more like abstract questions. I always mm-hmm. say it's it's not a discussion about you. It's more a discussion of your ideas. And you have to really develop your answers uh, in part three. Mm-hmm. But then we have part two, which is a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's an unusual thing to do where they give you a cue card. And the cue card is really important because it has all the information there. 
um, that you need. Uh, and they ask you to plan for one minute and then speak for up to two minutes. So mm-hmm. for most people, this is an unusual thing yeah, to have no, to do. In fact, I, I find this difficult myself as an English speaker. So yeah, mm-hmm. for people when English as a second language, yeah, it's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, 25% of your mark for the whole speaking test is for fluency and coherence. Mm-hmm. And that's normally the biggest problem in part two for students from, from my experience, uh, because pausing and hesitation are the big problems there with, with fluency. So people uh, lose the fl- flow of their language. They start, mm, ah, or they don't know what to say. They run out of things to, to talk about. Mm-hmm. They get flustered. They get, and of course, people are stressed out. Um, yeah, so, in fact, one of the things I've noticed as well is people get so stressed out that then they start speaking so quickly yeah, yeah. that then they run out of things to say because they've exactly. said everything in like one minute. So I have a, a strategy uh, for this uh, to help people and it's really, really, really helped my students. So um, when students get the cue card and because this is a podcast, you should Google um, speaking part two cue card mm-hmm. or speaking part two card and you'll see what it looks like but basically it's just like a small little thing that looks like the size of a postcard mm-hmm. and it has the topic the main topic at the top and then it says you should speak about and then it has four bullet points mm-hmm. so what students do is they look at those four bullet points and they just speak about those four bullet points only and as you said, what a really common problem is they get through them in 30 seconds or one minute. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, okay, what do I talk about now? So what you're doing is if you, if you only rely on those four bullet points, you're using the, the, the cue card as a crutch and it's not going to help you at all. So those four bullet points are there to help you, but you shouldn't turn something in that's that designed to help you into a hindrance. If, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So um, the rule is, the rule that most people think is that you must talk about the bullet points, only about the bullet points and in the, in that order. And lots of IELTS teachers think that as well, uh, because IELTS is, is a mystery. They don't, it's mysterious in many ways, and they don't tell you exactly what, what to do and what not to do. So... Um, it take it from me it is totally fine to talk about other things related to that topic sure i think that's the important thing though no related to the topic instead related of going to completely that's... off yeah yeah so for example if the um the cue card said talk about a place that you would like to go on holiday you shouldn't start talking about football or, or bre- what you had for breakfast or or like whatever just comes into your mind but as long as you are talking about that topic and you could talk about your opinion about that place, uh, what you what you thought about it in the past, what you think about it now, what you think about it in the future, a description of it, uh, a story about it, an example of it. There are so many different things. Mm. And if you realize that, it gives you a, 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 a more freedom to sure. be able to talk more fluently and in, and in a more human way to the examiner rather than, okay, look at bullet point number one to talk about bullet point number one. Sure. Look at bullet point number two, talk about bullet point number two. So that gives you the flexibility to plan your answer in, in, a, in a more natural way and speak in a more natural way. However, it's really important that you practice that technique. Don't 
just listen to one podcast and be like, okay, I'm going to get a bad nine <laughs> in, in, in my test. Uh, so if you Google my website, IELTS Advantage, and mm-hmm. you look at, if you Google IELTS Advantage speaking part two, it will detail this technique. Um, and be very careful if you're like, I've seen some really, really bad advice for this part. Like I've seen teachers telling students, talk about bullet point number one for 30 seconds and then talk about bullet number two for another 30 seconds. So that's just like that. That would be difficult for, you know, someone who is a genius and and (laughs) has, you know, is the most fluent English speaker in the world. That would be difficult. Don't make it more difficult for yourself by listening mm. to bad advice. Um, so yeah, that that would be. Um, the other thing about fluency with speaking is, um, there's two. What I would say there's two fluency related problems. There's language related fluency problems and mm-hmm. content related fluency problems. Language related fluency problems are when students are trying to think of the correct grammar and vocab, and mm-hmm. and if you're you know that that's pretty that that that's a common problem, but it's not as common as the content-related fluency problems, where students are just trying to think of the the correct ideas, because they think it's an ideas test or a knowledge sure. test, and it's not at all. The writing test, your ideas do are 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 important. They're quite important. Speaking test, as long as you're answering the question, there are ten thousand things that you could say. And, sure. and they would be correct. So, like, if someone says to you, what's your favorite color? You could name, you know, a- any color under the sun and have any reason why you like that color. Whereas a lot of students think, okay, which color will be most impressive? Or which color, <laughs> they think like the examiner has like a color written down. And if you talk about that <laughs> color, you'll get a band nine or something like that. Like, that, that sounds crazy, but a lot of my students think these things. So, the the best the the most the most effective advice in the short term that I can give students for fluency is relax about the content in the speaking test. Sure. There is no correct answer. They're not t- testing your knowledge. They're not testing your your IQ. They're testing your speaking. It's a speaking mm-hmm. test. Focus on grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, and fluency. The four things that are actually being tested. Um, and you'll do quite well because our brains are kind of like a computer where if you've too many programs open and it's thinking of too many things, sure. then it starts to slow down. And that's the way I describe fluency problems to my students. If you are thinking of 11 different things <laughs> when you're speaking, it doesn't matter how good you are in English, your fluency is going to suffer. So keep, keep it, keep it simple. Um, sure. Obviously, you you have to you know you be using less common vocabulary and, and things like that and stretching your grammar and things like that. But just forget about trying to to think of impressive ideas because they don't exist. Sure, and just uh, use it, that cue card then as like a guide. Exactly. So yeah. the way and not, the and way not it, stick to it like religiously. Yeah. It's a guide, and then you can. Yeah. So you know. so, so so there's four bullet points on the card. Some like I do practice sessions with my students and I do demos with my students. And sometimes I use all four bullet points in order because mm-hmm. that's a natural way to speak. Sometimes I use none of the bullet points, but I talk about that, the main topic. Some of the time I'll use two of them or I might change the order. But what I'm doing is I'm just using the cue card as a tool to help me rather than a crutch 
as a, sure. as a hindrance, if that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's another thing I say to my students is the practice is very important because it's a very unnatural thing to do. So, you know, to try and get that practice as much as possible. Um, the next thing, obviously, is the writing. Another part two, again, another uh, thing people have difficulty with, with is coming up with ideas. So mm-hmm. I thought you could give us some tips about that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we, 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 on this podcast, we were trying to think of the most common questions are the most common thing that we get asked about and i get hundreds of emails every day and a good proportion of them are about task to idea generation mm-hmm. uh, again this is an area where there's a lot of confusion um, and again it's an area where students think that it's a it's an iq test or a knowledge test um, and if they don't and a lot of students are very insecure about this mm-hmm. part because they think that they don't have enough knowledge um, and that so there are a few things that, that I can tell you about idea generation that will really help you. The first is the way the way that idea generation is taught in 90% of IELTS classes is wrong. Um, if you look at any IELTS book or go into 90% of IELTS classes the way that the teacher will will, will um, suggest that the students do it is something called brainstorming. Mm. Um, brainstorming um, is a great technique if you're thinking of marketing ideas, or you're thinking of ideas for a, a holiday, or you know just just like wide open, uh, expansive thinking. You don't have time to do that in sure. task two. So what brainstorming does is a it wastes time, but more importantly. B, because of the nature of brainstorming, it leads to the student thinking of a huge number of irrelevant ideas that are not related to the specific question. Yeah, yeah, that that's the main thing. People go off the question so much, exactly. I notice. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So what happens is you go in there, you brainstorm, you run out of time, you've got a bunch of unrelated ideas, you have to spend time to sift through these you look at the clock, 10 minutes have gone already. You pick one of these ideas that is not even related to the question. You look at the clock again, you're halfway through, you know, your essay, you're running out of time. And then you realize like, oh no, like I'm not even answering the question. Like brainstorming is that, that sounds like an extreme scenario, but I guarantee that you will get emails from people saying like, that's exactly what happened to me in the test. It happens a lot. So a better way to think of ideas um, and we'll talk about long-term strategies and short-term strategies so a short-term strategy is um, instead of brainstorming just ask yourself direct questions uh, about the question that, that's being asked so that might sound a bit weird so let me give you an example um, let's say the question is I recently did one about AI um, in cars so AI is going to take over Artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, computers that can learn and computers okay. that can think for themselves uh, are about to take over dri- from drivers. They will mm-hmm. drive cars autonomously. Um, so the question could be something like, uh, do you think this is a, a good idea or do you agree with this? Or um, uh, um, what are the problems with this or what are the solutions with this or something like that? Um, so instead of trying writing the question in a bubble and thinking of lots and lots and lots of ideas you just ask yourself that direct question so 
do I, so if the question was, do you agree or disagree with this? Um, you just ask your, yourself the question, why would I agree with this? Or why would someone else agree with this? And if you do that, your brain will automatically think of a very relevant, specific idea because you're asking your brain that specific question. Sure. So instead of just like, let's put on the paper everything we know about artificial intelligence. What we're doing is we're thinking specifically, right, do I agree that artificial intelligence will drive cars in the future? Mm -hmm. Do I agree with this? Or if I disagree with this, what are the what are the ideas here? So you're asking yourself very, very specific questions. And what you're doing is you're trying to think of the most obvious answer. So I have a lot of doctors that I teach. And doctors do very, very badly on task two related to this because doctors are very... Is that because nobody can understand their writing? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's one that's one reason. That's one reason. But no, a, a more important reason is they, um, they are used to thinking in a very complex, complicated way. And they've been trained to think like that. And they've also been trained to that they must get it right. Because if doctors don't get it right, they often will seriously damage people or, yeah. or or end their life. So it's really important that they make the right decision. So what I find with doctors is, and it's not just doctors, but lawyers, engineers, people like this that, that think in this way is they will think of an idea in task two that's really obvious and really simple, and they will discard it as being too simple. Okay. And they will think that there is a more complex, complicated idea that is more impressive. The, the, the examiner is not testing your ability to uh, wow them with a PhD level um, essay. What they want to do, want to know is, can you communicate effectively in English by putting your pen on the paper and writing sure. something? That's all they are, they are worried about. So the simplest, most straightforward ideas are normally the best ones because mm. you also have to take those ideas and develop them. You have to explain what that those ideas mean, how they answer the question, and you also have to think of examples. And if you're if you're listening right now and you're like, oh my god, this is too much. This is like, there's a lot of things I need to do. Take one step at a time. There are a lot of things that you need to do. Um, but that but that technique of just like just asking yourself the simple question rather than brainstorming or mind mapping or sure. whatever stupid thing. Um, that a lot of people teach people um, do just ask yourself those direct questions um, a long term strategy is familiarize yourself with the common task 2 topics Okay. so the common task 2 topics are and there's a number of them but the top let's say 4 or 5 the education is always very very common mm -hmm. technology uh, emerging technology especially um the environment, so the damage, the you know, air pollution, uh, global warming, stuff like that. Uh, health, so there's always questions about health, um, and then things like social issues and development and things like that. But if you go on to the BBC news website or the Guardian website or the Times website, the newspaper doesn't matter. What matters is when you click on that, you'll see health news, education okay. news, technology news, environment news. 30 minutes a day, if you go in and click on health news, education news, whatever, and read one article and pick out the, the vocabulary that they're using, oh, the topic-specific yeah. vocabulary that they're using, 
the ideas that they're using, the examples that they're using, how they're developing those ideas. If you get a, a notebook and for 30 minutes a day and you did this for three months, at the end of three months, if you still have problems sure, thinking of absolutely. ideas or developing ideas, then just give up because, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> but uh, you, you, and I'm not telling anybody to give up. I'm using it as a joke, but don't, don't think I'm telling you to give up. Please don't do that. Um, I'm just being silly and saying, like, if you do this, you will have no sure, problems absolutely. doing this. And my VIP students, the first thing I tell them is, like, get it, buy a blank notebook. That is your mm. new vocabulary book. And when you see new topic task two or topic specific task two vocabulary, write it down, write the sentence down, write the synonyms down, write the antonyms down, write the collocations, everything that you need to know about that book, about that sure. word. And then at the end of a month, two months, three months, six months, you'll have a massive book of new words and and uh, that's really going to help you with your vocabulary and and especially your task to specific vocabulary. Sure, absolutely. I imagine that will help you uh, a lot for the next part we're going to talk about as well, which is the reading. Um, mm -hmm. And well, if you could tell us as well about how to manage our time in the reading, because I myself have done the reading exam for the IELTS. <laughs> and as a native speaker, I actually had difficulty because I hadn't really prepared, obviously. Yeah. No idea about time management. And I actually found it quite difficult. So yeah, yeah. If if most IELTS teachers did the IELTS test, they probably mm. wouldn't get a a nine in reading or a nine in sure. listening because it it is difficult and you need to familiarize yourself with with mm. it. Um, a huge number of my students do get a nine in reading, and I'm really impressed um, when they do because I mean it's pretty much perfection, and it's it, it's a, it's an an exercise in focus more than anything, like focusing for an hour um, in any language to that degree is very very difficult sure and no, absolutely so, it's the concentration again yeah it's, exactly. it's really difficult for, for that length of time yeah yeah so there's many things we could talk about reading but let's just focus on time management because mm -hmm. that's again one of the most common questions i get asked and mm -hmm. what this is going to sound really harsh um but you don't have a time management issue you have a reading issue um so what do i mean by that so Imagine in the Olympic 100 meter um, running race and Usain Bolt finishes one second or two seconds ahead of everybody else. The other guys that finish second and third and fourth, did they have a time management issue or did they have a running issue? Like imagine those guys said, oh, I just need time management tips. Like, you know, and that's kind of like what a lot of... Uh, what a lot of students think and how a lot of teachers teach the, the reading test is time management tips and your only problem is time management. No, mm -hmm. your problem is reading skills. Your problem is vocabulary. Your problem is grammar. Your problem is you're not familiar with all of the different types of question and how they are tested, and the skills that are tested, and, and you don't have a, a technique for each of those, those questions. Sure. So if uh, all of my students that have got a band nine in reading they did. They never even asked me about uh, time management tips or time management techniques because they got so good at doing the reading test that they f they finished with 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 time to spare. Mm -hmm. Um. So how can you put that into practice? So 
how can you improve your reading so that you don't need time management tips? So you need to improve your reading, you need to improve your language, um, and you need to improve, mostly you need to improve your awareness of the different types of reading question and have a strategy for each of them. So Sure. Yeah, I think that bit's important, yeah. So re really simply, reading, how do you... So a lot of people ask me, how do I improve my reading? And I say, well, how often do you read in English? And the answer is normally... I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the so, first place to start. <laughs> so the first place to start is read something in English, but do not read something that's extremely boring and that you're going to give up. Like if you like reading about cricket, read about cricket. If mm -hmm. you like reading about fashion, read about fashion. If you like reading about, <laughs> I don't know, farming, read about sure. that. Something that you're passionate about, read that because the material isn't important. The fact that you consistently read every day is important. Sure. Um, and if you read for, it's better to read for 10 minutes a day for six months than it is to read 18 hours a day for a week before your test. Like sure. that's, that, that's something that people don't realize that how people develop languages consistently over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, get reading. Um, and, and, do not make it the first time that you've ever read something in English for an hour. Don't do not let that be your test day. Sure. Because what a lot of people do is they never read for more than 10 minutes. They never mm -hmm. read for more than 20 minutes. And then they have to read for an hour on test mm -hmm. day. That like no wonder you're not doing very well because sure. it's, it's an act of concentration rather than anything else. Um, the other thing is the, 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 Reading test is not just a reading test. It's a vocabulary test and it's a grammar test. Uh, but vocabulary more than anything. Um, you will need to know synonyms of words to find oh, the, the area of the answer where it is. You'll also need synonyms to find the actual answer. You'll also need to, to be aware of the meaning of the words within the paragraph or in the sentence in order to discern what the correct answer is. Mm -hmm. So if you consistently are getting a band six or getting a band five and reading, you probably need to just improve your vocabulary. And that goes back to what I said about writing, about having a vocabulary book, your own vocabulary book and focusing on that every day. So and you combine that with your reading practice. So instead of passively reading, actively read it by actively reading i mean look at the words that you don't understand when you're practicing your reading and and pick those out and guess the meaning of them and, and you know and then look them up and then review them sure um, i think that's important to first try and guess the meaning from the context exactly. yeah exactly because an oxford prof english professor could look at the ielts reading test and there might be one or two words that he doesn't or she doesn't sure. know the, 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 the there are always going to be words that are so, you know, so strange that you won't know that the, you definitely won't know the meaning. So it's about a guessing the meaning and two, knowing that you don't have to know the meaning of every single word. Because what happens is students will look at the IELTS reading test and they'll see one word they've never, they've never seen before. And they'll just be like, Oh my God, this is horrible. I'm going to fail. Like I look at the test sometimes sure. would be like, what does that word mean? I yeah. know that some people think that every English teacher should know every single word in the English language. But if your English teacher tells you that, they're, they're yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm glad you said it because the same thing happens to me. <laughs> mm. 
No, no, it's it, it's it's they are intentionally put in there to because think about what they're doing. They're testing your ability to operate in an English uh, speaking society or country. Mm-hmm. Um, you are always going to see words as an English learner that you don't understand. Sure, absolutely. So that is a really um, like the IELTS test often gets criticized for not being a genuine test or not mm. being a genuine test of English. That is a very genuine test of English sure, for an English learner. Um, the other thing, and this is most related to time management, is you have to realize that there are a number of different types of question on the reading test. So true, false, not given, yes, no, not given, multiple choice, matching headings, matching information, short answer questions, and on and on and on and on. Each of those, the reason why they have these different types of question is they test different types of sub-skills. So matching headings is testing your ability to understand a whole, the 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 whole idea of a paragraph pretty quickly. Um, whereas true, false, not given is testing a different skill. It's testing your ability to, to differentiate between things that match the information is matching or that it's not matching or it's not there cool. at all. Um, and each, because they're testing different things, you need to have a different strategy for each of them. For each one. So I teach my students, okay, we're not, we're, I'm not going to give you a strategy for, for, you know, one strategy for every type of question. I'm going to give you a step by step strategy for ev- for all of them. And all of this is going to be different. I'm sorry. You have to learn this. It's a lot of work, but it's going to ensure that you, that you um, do very well. And, and do not think that the strategy to pass the reading test is skimming, scanning, and then find the answer. Sure. That that works for some questions, but it doesn't work for all questions. And like a lot of students just think, if I get good at skimming and get good at scanning, I'll I'll get a band nine in the reading test. And then you ask them, what does skimming mean? And they've no idea what it means. <laughs> like, you know, but they, like a lot of people talk about skimming and scanning, but they've no idea what it actually is. And that goes for teachers as well. Um, sure. So, yeah, to treat each question as an individual question that requires an individual type of question that requires an individual specific approach. And sure. that is, is going to help and you. There is um, some more information about these approaches on um, Chris's website, which there'll be a link into the show notes anyway. Um, but let's move on to the last part, um, which is the listening, um, which as we spoke about before the show, some people, generally people say it's probably the easiest part for them, but obviously there are still difficulties to it. So what can we do to uh, help us improve the listening? So some people are going to hate me for saying this because it's so simple, but normally the simple ideas are, are but you have to listen to English. For example, uh, this podcast, this yeah. is a great idea. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like, like I'm, I'm, I'm an, I have a few extra pounds, let's say on me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit too fat and I know to, to lose weight, I have to just move more and eat less. <laughs> and that's kind of, and, and people don't like to hear that. And that's why there are all these complicated, diets and exercise mm-hmm. regimes but if you just move more and eat less you'll lose weight i guarantee it um same with you know listening how do i improve my listening you listen to english how do i improve my reading you read books about mm-hmm. english um but but listening is probably the one that that i get um uh, 
the fewest number of uh, of questions about uh, because just we we um tend to l get more practice listening naturally so because oh. because our ears are always open we're constantly being we're constantly practicing our listening mm -hmm. um that's why writing is the 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 area that people have the most difficulty with they don't practice writing um, oh, and nobody like nobody practices writing that much compared to how much they l listen to things and how much they read things um cool. but for i think it's just the productive skills in general also speaking some people don't have the opportunity yeah. to speak in english yeah. so maybe they watch tv series read books but they don't actually have the opportunity to speak and they certainly don't write as you said absolutely and, and it, mm. it differs from country to country because some countries they teach english by Grammar is really important. Vocabulary is really important. But then they never actually teach someone how to open their mouth and, and use it. Um, other countries, it's the opposite. Um, they have really, really good fluency, but they need a lot of work on, on their grammar and vocabulary. Sure. So it's, it's about that, that, that balance. But, um, listening, the advice I could give you is definitely you have to listen, but also like reading, familiarize yourself with the different types of question. Uh, because they are testing different skills and you need a strategy for each of those and you need to practice that those strategies mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean that you just read the strategy and then do a practice test under exam conditions take the strategies that are on my website and spend 30 minutes on one type of question and really learn the strategy that you're using um, and also when you do practice tests analyze your mistakes so don't just do the test add up all the marks and then be like oh i'm still stuck at, stuck at a 6.5 the great thing about listening and reading is you don't need a teacher sure, to, absolutely. to figure out where you're going wrong reading or sorry writing and speaking you need a teacher to tell sure. you what's wrong reading and listening you don't you can just figure that out by yourself so did i get the question wrong because i didn't know the vocabulary did i get the question wrong because uh I just didn't understand what was happening or I was flustered or I picked the wrong option or you can figure that out yourself. That Again, that takes time. But to get a good score, you need to spend the time doing it. There are no quick fixes or hacks or anything like that. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, okay, well, thanks a lot for all of the information. So where can we find out more about you and all of these ex well, all of the extra information you were telling us about? Yeah, so best place is probably um, IELTSAdvantage.com. Mm -hmm. So if you Google IELTS Advantage or just type that into your browser, um, we're also, we have about over half a million followers on Facebook. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you go to Facebook and put in IELTS Advantage, we're also making a lot of YouTube stuff. We're going to be make, doing more <laughs> in 2018. So yeah, the website um, and we've lots of like free courses, free eBooks and f lots of free stuff um, that we give away. Uh, we give away more free stuff than any other IELTS website, I think. Um, so yeah, uh, head over there, check it out, get some free stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. We love free stuff. But as I said, there will be a, a link in the show notes anyway. Um, anyway, so thanks a lot for your time, Chris. And, You're uh, welcome. Hope to hear from you soon. Cool. Thank you very much, man. It's a pleasure to help all your, your audience and uh, I look forward to, to hearing more of your stuff in the future. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Cool, man. Bye-bye. 
Okay, so that was Chris and I speaking about um, the IELTS exam. And as I said at the beginning, all of the points that we spoke about are on the website, um, rockandrollenglish.com. But also go to Chris's website, which is IELTSadvantage.com. And believe me, there are a lot of useful things on that website. I have used it myself for teaching classes because there really is so much free information. So go there. Um, just a quick overview, though. Um, I think you probably understood. There is no easy solution for this exam. You have to study and you have to be prepared. Um, I think Chris used an analogy of Usain Bolt in the episode. Um, I very much doubt that Usain Bolt went to race without any preparation. So that's the main thing to prepare for the exam. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this bonus show. Um, Dan the Man will be back in the next show for a normal episode. But in the meantime, just keep on rocking, baby. Thanks so much for listening to Rock and Roll English. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit rockandrollenglish.com and facebook.com slash rockandrollenglish. We'll catch you next time.